0: Hello and welcome to Cover to Credits, the bi weekly podcast where we discuss books and their movie adaptations. I'm Ian George.
1: And I'm Adina Hilton. In this episode, we'll be discussing The Namesake. The Namesake was written by Jumpa Lahiri and was published in 2003.
0: And the film adaptation, which came out in 2006, was directed by Mira Nair.
1: This is a patron requested episode. Our lovely patron Leah asked us to do this episode. And since they are a patron, we are happy to oblige.
0: We are contractually obligated (laughs) (laughs) to consent.
1: Thank you for your patronage.
0: (laughs) Uh, Yeah, no, I mean, we love uh, getting patron requests. And if there's an episode you've been wanting us to do, the best way to uh, speed that process along is to become a patron.
1: Yeah, and this is a really interesting episode because this is a book that was really popular when it came out in the early 2000s. Uh, Jhumpa Lahiri is a pretty well-respected author. She won the Pulitzer Prize for a collection of short stories that came out before this book. Oh, okay. And this was her first novel. And she's gone on to write um, very well-known and critically acclaimed other short story collections and novels. So I had never actually read this book, so it had been on my list for a long time.
0: Yeah, I've honestly not... I don't even think I've heard of it before.
1: Yeah, and I mean, this movie came out pretty soon after the book came out.
0: Yeah, I imagine it would have had to.
1: I mean, it's generally critically acclaimed, but I feel like people have just kind of forgotten about it.
0: Yeah, I mean... Once again, like, I wasn't familiar with either the book or the film, and the film does have, like, quite a few well-known actors. I mean, uh, Irfan Khan, who plays the father in it, and uh, Cal Penn, who a lot of people know from Harold and Kumar Go to White Castle or any of the other Harold and Kumar movies. I feel really bad for him and uh, the actor who play Harold. I forget his name. Uh, Cho, I believe. Uh, like, I feel like they're always attached to those movies, even though they've gone on to have careers outside of them. And this actually, this film actually came out after Harold and Kumar go to White Castle. Oh, wow. So it's funny, See, he already had that kind of persona, that comedic edge, right? So it's interesting he did a more, like, uh, focused kind of drama like this.
1: Yeah, and let's get into the story. Uh, the namesake focuses on a family, of Indian immigrants who come to America. And we start out the story meeting uh, Ashima and Ashok.
0: Yeah, they meet in India. Uh, They both live in Calcutta. And the way they meet is kind of this awkward, formal situation with their parents there. It's kind of almost interview-like.
1: Yeah, they are basically interviewing each other. Yeah. Right? I mean, it's an arranged marriage. Ashima, the, the soon-to-be wife, does have a decision in it. Yeah. There's, like, talk later that she kind of consents to this and that she had other suitors and she kind of chose uh, Ashok over everyone else. But marrying him means going to America cuz that's where he's getting his degree and where he hopes to become a professor or have a job there someday.
0: Yeah, and so like in the film we we get to see the wedding and experience it and then they are quickly packed up and shipped off to snowy ass Massachusetts.
1: Yeah. And this is where the book picks up too.
0: Yeah, they are kind of adjusting to their life here and I found this part really captivating in the book. Like this is kind of where the book begins and it kind of like we'll jump back to like how they met and their wedding and what's going on currently and just like the culture shock of it. And the book does such an amazing job of making you feel homesick for a place, at least for me, for a place that I've never been.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: You know, when you're comparing it to like how desolate Massachusetts feels and cold and they don't know anyone versus like the vibrancy of India and the food and the family and the things that they miss. And I think it like really emotionally connects with you early on what Ashima and Ashok are going through. But more specifically, I think Ashima.
1: Yeah, her perspective is really important at the beginning. She's kind of the first person we get to know and we see her interior life and how she feels about being in a new country. And like you were saying, it really does make you feel how she feels, which is so isolated from a community that she's grown up with her whole life and being in a new place and having to navigate, you know, unfamiliar cities, unfamiliar food and cultures and customs and things like that. Um, and pretty soon after they are married and are back in the U S uh, Ashima gets pregnant and is going to have a baby too, which only I think intensifies her feelings of loneliness because this is a very family centered experience, right? She wants to be among her mother and father and siblings and family. Um, But she's not. She's all alone.
0: Yeah, she's just kind of in this sterile hospital room. And, you know, Ashok is just in the waiting room because it's the 1970s. And the men aren't like even (laughs) the men aren't even around. They're just wandering the hallways with like cigars and flowers until they're told everything's fine. Yeah. But like, yeah, so they have this baby And we they run into a problem Mm -hmm. because Ashima's grandmother, it's customary that they name the child a
1: family member or a family
0: member. Right. But uh, they are waiting for a letter to arrive in the mail that has the mother's names, one for a boy and one for a girl. And they are just waiting and the letter doesn't come. And then the baby's born. And at the hospital, the. The hospital's like, you can't leave without, like, filling out the birth certificate form.
1: Yeah, it's also really interesting because they talk about how in India, where they grew up, you don't have to have an official name for a child, like their government name, sometimes until they actually go to school, which would be at, like, five or six years old.
0: Yeah, they just kind of have, like, these little pet names for them, right?
1: Yeah, and we're told in the book about this distinction between a good name And a pet name. The good name is the official government name. The pet name is the name that your family gives you. And it's really interesting because we hear, too, that, like, Ashima has never called Ashok by his, like, government name. Yeah. She doesn't refer to him in that way. And it it would be foreign for her to refer to him in that way. And so she almost has, like, her own name for him. And it feels like, and I don't know if this is true or not, but it almost feels like in this culture... Depending on who you are to someone, they will have a different name for you, which is really interesting.
0: Yeah. And I mean, there's that's true for a lot of cultures with language is like how you talk to someone, whether it's in a formal way or a more intimate way, whether that's like, you know, in Spanish or like through names or pronouns or whatever. Uh, yeah. And so, yeah, I found that really fascinating, too. And it kind of diving into like the significance of names. And I like the one example. uh the book talks about is like if you'd get a letter from a family on the outside, you'd see your like uh, good name written, mm-hmm. but then you open up the card and on the inside, it would be your your pet name.
1: Right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so they're like, OK, well, we had a pet name kind of picked out or one we could use, which is Gogol for yes. this child. Um, we don't have an official name yet because we're still waiting on that letter from the grandma. But... Maybe we can just put Gogol on the birth certificate for now, and then we can change it later once we get the good name, the real official government name.
0: Yeah, so they fill out the the form and are on their way, and Gogol is a Russian author, and the, the father, Ashok, is a big reader and was a huge fan of that author, and... We kind of find out uh, earlier in the book, but later in the film, the the real significance of that author and his works, specifically uh, the overcoat. Yeah. And its importance to Ashok. But we'll kind of get to that when the film gets to that. But anyway, they go home, uh, Ashima quickly is hit by, I think, a combination of like, just regular depression, but also postpartum depression.
1: Yeah, I mean, she's raising a newborn by herself without her community around her in a place that she is just so unfamiliar with everything. She has no resources. Her husband is, you know, loving and supportive, but he's also a product of his time and culture, right? He's not super involved.
0: Yes, Uh, but I do like reading as time goes by, Ashima, you know, begins to kind of like go out more, you know, she kind of begins to feel more comfortable, uh, not only raising a kid, but in the community. And they kind of slowly meet more and more people, more and more Bengali families and couples, and kind of like slowly build this community around them. Yeah,
1: they build their own network. And they are start off in Boston, and then eventually Ashok gets a professorship in a small town So they kind of move to the suburbs instead. And that's also an adjustment for Ashima because she was used to the public transit of the city, um, everything being close by. So her having to adjust to the suburbs is also difficult as well. But no matter where they go, they end up kind of drawing in that community around them. They end up meeting other Bengali families. And like the book talks about how... They drive to those families' houses where there are parties. They have people over together. They travel together. It really does form this, like, rich community.
0: Yes. Eventually, they have another child, a daughter named Sonia. Uh, And, you know, time just passes. There's an incident when Gogol is, like, four or five and first attending school, where Ashok and Ashima are trying to explain the the good name, pet name thing to the teachers because they've decided on a good name.
1: Yes, because the, the letter from the grandma never came. No. It got lost in the mail. And then as Ashima was writing to her grandmother being like, hey, we didn't get it. Can you send it again? Uh, her grandma had a stroke and was just completely, you know, nonverbal or unreachable and then died. And so... It's very dramatic, right? Yes. It's very cinematic and almost like, oh, it's such a juicy tidbit, right? That, like, this name that was destined for him is lost somewhere, right? It just exists somewhere (laughs) in, like, the postage system, right?
0: (laughs) A letter exists out there in the void.
1: Containing his
0: destiny. His true identity. Yeah. Yeah, it's really great, (laughs) and, I mean, I love it as a metaphor for, like, The loss of culture over time if you're an immigrant from another country, you know? Uh, Yeah, I mean, it's a really great kind of um, setup for this story. Something to kind of, like, anchor the story of an immigrant family and specifically the child of immigrants, right? Mm-hmm. This idea of a lost name, yeah. But the parents still want to do the the good name pet name, so they're like, "Gogol is his pet name, and we've decided that uh, Nikol will be his good name." Yeah, and that they kind of came to that conclusion because uh, the author Gogol, what's his his first name's Nikolai, Nikolai,
1: mm-hmm. and, or Nicholas? Yeah, yeah.
0: And there's some other connections there, so they're like, "Yes, we love this name." Uh, except Gogol, who hates it. And the (laughs) teachers are like, do you not want to be called this? And he's like, not really. And they're like, "Okay, I mean, we don't want to, like, call you something that you hate. So they just send a letter home and are like, we're going to call him Gogol.
1: Yeah, he wants to be called Gogol. This is too confusing for him. And I mean, it makes sense, right, because he didn't grow up in a culture where that was expected of him. Yeah. So he's just, like, stressed about it, right? He's five (laughs) years old and he's anxious. He's like, I don't know why people are calling me a name that isn't my name. Like, it freaks me out.
0: And you can kind of understand the school's position, too, of, like, he seems uncomfortable by this name and we feel like we're maybe perpetuating, like, something that is negative towards him by calling him this. Uh, And the parents are just, you know, Ashok and Ashima are just like, I mean, whatever. We're in America now. If you want to be Gogol, like, whatever, it's fine. We don't care anymore.
1: (laughs) Yeah, they just don't fight it because they feel like it's kind of impossible to resist. And so Gogol continues to go by that name. And this idea of his good name is kind of put aside for now. Um, And as Gogol and his sister Sonia grow up, they are very much uh, second generation immigrants, right? They're kind of caught between America and Bengali culture. Their family goes not a lot, but often back to India to visit family. And so they're always traveling back, but I think, you know, they feel uncomfortable when they're there. And then the two of them, Gogol and Sonia, really seem to reject a lot of their parents' customs and traditions to find the, like, Bengali extended family that they've kind of grown in America to be like annoying or boring or loud and obnoxious and to want to cling to more American traditions like having Christmas, right? Yeah. Eating American foods and doing American activities a lot more than the traditional ones of their family.
0: Yeah, their families enroll them in like certain classes and activities that are more uh, traditional, you know, to their culture. But the kids are kind of just like, I'd, I'd rather be at t-ball or I'd rather be in like dance lessons or something that is like, more relevant to them in their age, like, in the U.S., right? And you kind of, like, really sympathize with both the parents and the children in this situation. Yeah. Like, to the parents, like, this is, like, where they come from. This is their heritage, their culture, and their lives, and they want to share that with their kids. But, like, the kids aren't surrounded by that. So it feels so secondary. It feels so, like, removed from them that it's like, why should I care about this? Like, okay, we go there, like, once every three years to stay for a while, but, like... That doesn't matter to me.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I think they talk in the book about how even the children of like that extended Bengali family and community that they have in the U S like even those kids are on the same page with like, yeah, and yeah. Sonya. like they're all kind of like, uh, our parents are so annoying and weird and do all this <laughs> like crazy stuff. Like we just want to go play basketball and smoke weed and like watch m- American movies and listen to music and things like that. You yeah.
0: Know? I will say that like, I think in some ways Gogol as he enters his teenage years, like This feels like his entire identity and personality and kind of in a negative way to the point where, like, he just feels like a moody, kind of annoying teenager. So moody. So moody and so annoying. And, like, while on one hand I sympathize with, like, how he feels about, like, his family and his culture, on the other hand, I feel like there's not a lot of nuance to it and... And I mean, this this book is kind of capturing a large stretch of time, right? So I guess it makes sense that, like, it would kind of, like, paint, like, oh, the teenage years is just rejecting this site. It's idea. all
1: a wash. <laughs> yeah.
0: But on the other hand, like, at one point in the book, they spend eight months in Calcutta. Yeah. They go back to India and spend eight months there with family in this area. And the book kind of, like, I don't want to say glosses over it. It's only a couple pages. It's not very long. And he just kind of seems, like, annoyed about it.
1: Yeah, so he spends eight months, like, not absorbing any part of the culture. Yeah. Making any friends or having, like, new experiences that are significant. He walks away
0: with nothing. Yeah. And I'm sorry, but, like, no matter, like, how you feel about, like, your family's culture or heritage or where you come from, like, I feel like there has to be something you would get from that experience, right? Like there has yeah. to be some kind of like middle ground nuance there mm-hmm. of like, even if you're not like caring that much about like, oh, this is where I'm from. Like certainly like, oh, wow, but it was really cool. Like I liked these things and I liked these yeah. family members. Or
1: even just the um, the interesting experience of like being racially profiled in America, yeah. right? Yes. And then maybe contrasting that with being in an entire city full of people that look like you, right? But,
0: but you're also American, though, and so how you're being, that plays Yeah, so up. you're kind
1: of being judged in that city for not being Indian enough, and then obviously in America you're not American enough. I don't feel like we had that back and forth no. with this character at all. It was just him being grumpy in India and being grumpy in America, <laughs> like the same amount of grumpy all the time.
0: Yeah, like I almost felt like there were a lot of portions of the book like this where I felt like this could be a huge chunk of the book, you know, like him in Calcutta among family, like discovering this new idea of life and culture and things that he's never experienced or felt before. Or like
1: insights into his family, into his parents, you know.
0: The film trims this portion down to like. I mean, it's not, like, that long in the film either, but, like, they say they're only there for three months. Yeah. And I actually do like there's a scene in the film where they go to the Taj Mahal, and this seems like a good, positive, like, experience for everyone. And it's actually the experience that causes Gogol to realize that he wants to pursue architecture. Yeah. And I liked this, like, even though it's not maybe necessarily, like an interest in India or his culture. It's still like a positive thing he took away from this experience. Yeah.
1: And this is only in the movie. We don't really have this in the book. We do have him being interested in the architecture, but this isn't necessarily a moment that he's like ah light bulb moment. I'm going to become an architect, you know? Yes.
0: Uh, So I do like that inclusion uh, in the film.
1: Yeah. I want to take a minute here and talk about uh, Bengali culture, because as I was reading this book, And we were watching the movie. I was like, okay, so they keep referring to themselves as Bengali and not Indian.
0: Yeah. And I
1: found that really interesting. So I thought, well, obviously, this must be an ethnic subgroup within India. So I wanted to, like, research it a little bit. And I really do not know a lot. And there's so much to learn about, like, the country of India. It's made up of so many different ethnicities. There's so many languages that are spoken. There's a lot of history and culture. That goes back thousands and thousands of years, right? But it's really interesting to think about modern-day India being comprised of all these different groups of people with their own cultures and identities and everything. And so uh, the Bengali culture is actually, if you think about a map of India, it's more on the eastern side. Okay. And so the city of Calcutta, which is what it was traditionally called, is actually now called Kolkata, spelled with a K, and that is... Closer to the original pronunciation of one of the first settlements that eventually became that big city. And the Calcutta is the anglicized English-British version. Oh my
0: god, yeah. Because you have to like, it's not only really like Indian culture, but then Britain. fucking colonialism and like yeah. what the British did.
1: Yeah, so we have that. And they changed it actually in like 2001, 2002. So like not too long after this book or not too much before this book came out, but obviously the people that came from there from the time that we're writing in, like they came in from like the 70s, would have still called it at Calcutta. Right. Okay. Right. Um. But it's also really interesting because, so we're on that like kind of eastern side of India and the country that's close to there is actually Bangladesh. Okay. And that is Bengali as well. Uh, they okay. speak the language of Bengali. And I read about this when I was reading about uh, the India-Pakistan partition. We watched that uh, Miss Marvel show, and I got really interested in the partition of India and Pakistan. And as I was reading about it, I learned about this, but then I was reminded about it when I did research for this book. Um, Bangladesh was also partitioned at this time. Um, It was originally part of Pakistan, I think, and then it became its own country. But, I mean, the partition was generally based on religion, not ethnicity.
0: Right, right. So
1: we have Muslims in Bangladesh, and then we have Hindus mostly in India. That's a very... Over generalization, but that was kind of the goal of partition and the Muslims are also in Pakistan So it's really weird when you look at a map of India because Bangladesh is kind of like between different parts of India like India kind of like loops around Bangladesh But it's like this little pocket So we have all these people that have the same kind of ethnic and language and a lot of cultural identities Which are similar, but they're divided by religion And so they're in two separate countries.
0: That's so fascinating. Yeah.
1: And I mean, Hindi is the most widely spoken language in India, but Bengali is not far behind. And in fact, it's one of the most commonly spoken languages in the world, like in the top 10.
0: Interesting. Well, I remember in like when I was reading about Bollywood, which is only kind of a small portion of Indian cinema generally. But um, a lot of movies in India are translated into multiple languages that are spoken within India.
1: Yeah, we also, there's also Urdu and uh, Tamil, which are really big swaths of the population speak those languages. But yeah, it's really fascinating. And obviously, there's so much more to learn about India. And it's not just like, you're Indian, right? There's so many different pockets of culture and language and civilizations that you know came and went over the thousands and thousands of years that people have been living in that
0: part of the world. That's really interesting. I kind of I wish almost like a little bit of that was in the
1: I know, book. I, I wish we had learned a little bit more about it. Because
0: that. from Gogol's perspective, like how much of this would he know? I could kind of imagine him like, you know, being surrounded by uh, Bengali families, like maybe having a kind of familiarity with it, but like not really learning about it in school and maybe actually like realizing like, oh, I actually don't know anything about this. right? Well, what
1: about like people around him, like confusing him with other people who yeah, are Indian, right? And being like, oh, my cousin's Indian, like they live in like near the bottom of the, um, country right near sri lanka and they obviously speak like tamil which is a totally different language and you know people kind of like thinking (laughs) you know (laughs) exactly you know but we don't really have that dissection and introspection on that aspect of the culture um i mean i really liked looking it up and finding out that information but i don't feel like the book is really interested in giving that to us
0: no yeah it's one of those things where like i get that's not where the book what it's really interested in but like I I, I don't know. I find that really interesting. And I because I like uh, in the Miss Marvel show. Yeah. (laughs) Which tackled, uh, you know, the creation of Pakistan from India and like all this other stuff like that was like fascinating because I really didn't know much about it. So, yeah, I think that would have been uh, interesting to find out about. Yeah. So uh, back to the plot of the story. Gogol is now a teenager And he is as angsty as ever. (laughs) Uh, Specifically, there's a scene in book and film where they are learning in his English class about the actual author, Gogol, the Russian author. And just like what a kind of mess of a life he had. Yeah. His frustrations in writing and his like horrible suicide by starvation. Uh, The speculation that maybe he was a virgin when he died, like all of these factoids that like Gogol is like super embarrassed about yeah because that's his name and he's like just kind of like he also just hates his name in general he's like embarrassed by it right we got a whole scene in the book where they go to a college party and he lies about his name mm-hmm. and he actually calls himself Nikol which was his original good name right that he rejected as a child because he just feels like Gogol is like too weird. S- weird or silly, or he can't picture himself, like, flirting with a girl and introducing himself that way.
1: Yeah. I think it's interesting, too, because he kind of expresses, like, oh, it's not a Bengali name, but it's not an American name. It's, like, a Russian name. And so you're he, he's kind of like, why did my parents choose this?
0: Yeah. Instead
1: of one or other culture which I'm a part of, they chose something different.
0: Yeah. So he actually has the idea while he's still a teenager of changing his name. He's thought about it and he actually really likes the name Nico. Mm-hmm. And he kind of goes to his parents about it. And his mom is like, oh, "It's too late. Don't worry about it. And his dad is like, I mean, do what you want. We're in America. Yeah. You're able to do that. Live your, live your life, you know? <laughs> and so he actually like fills out the paperwork and goes to the courts and has his name, Legally changed to Nikol.
1: Yes. But the book keeps referring to him as Gogol.
0: And I find that so interesting. Yeah. It's it's in some ways by the book slash narrator continuously referring to him as Gogol from this point on. Like it'll just be like, oh, and then Gogol went to college and then Gogol met this girl. And yeah. Like, even though by this point he's still, he's going by Nikol. Yeah. And, like, except for his family, who have always known him as Gogol, like, and even his family, for the most part, is trying to respect his wishes, like his immediate family. Yeah. Um, The book just keeps referring to him as Gogol. Yeah. And in some ways, it feels like it's just totally invalidating his entire stance.
1: Yeah, and considering by the end of the book he doesn't necessarily go back to that name? Yeah. I'm a little confused why the book keeps referring to him that way. Unless we're meant to imply that he will eventually go back to that name or that name is like very essential to his core even if he's temporarily denying it. But it is odd.
0: I mean, it is a tough um predicament for the book to be like, "Well, do I change like as the author, it's like do I change how I'm referring to him?" to the readers, like, in the middle of the book, right? Yeah. But I think by not doing it, you're kind of, like, just saying, like, oh, it this doesn't really matter. Like, he's being silly. He's being silly, This yes. doesn't really matter. And in some ways, like, he does struggle with that throughout. Like, in, in some ways, I think he knows that nobody else cares about his name or thinks it's weird as much as he does. And at some points, he maybe regrets changing his name. Like, he kind of has complicated feelings about it. But, like, he's never, like... I've made a terrible mistake. No. But it's just, it's odd. It's its like, it feels like a very conscious decision that the book keeps referring to him as Gogol.
1: Yeah, and so for simplicity's sake, we are also going to keep referring to him as Gogol, even though from this point forward through the end of the book, he's introducing himself and he is preferring to be known as Nikhil.
0: Yes. Uh, at one point in the story, his dad is shook, tries to give him a gift and it is a very sad scene. Oh my God. Because Gogol is just being a teenager in the film. He's doing terrible air guitar (laughs) to an album, to music. Just some of the worst air guitar I've ever seen, Adina.
1: It's not great. And his dad is giving him a book of the short stories of Gogol, his namesake, right? And he's kind of saying, this is important. I'm giving it to you because it means something to me and... Gogol is like, yeah, whatever, I don't care, like blah, 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 and doesn't even really open it. And the dad, we can tell from the dad's perspective in the book, and we see this in the movie too, he says something like, I want to tell you the story of why I chose this name. And Gogol is just like giving him nothing, and eventually Ashok is kind of like, Okay, he doesn't really want to hear this right now. I'm just going to back off. And he chooses not to share with him in this moment, which is just like so painful to read about and to see.
0: It's so sad. And once again, like (sighs) Gogol is a very hard character to empathize with. He's just, especially at this point in his life, just so stereotypically angsty teen. And even though you somewhat relate to that, it's still frustrating to read. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Gogol eventually goes to college, and we actually get a big time jump over a lot of this in the film. But I mean, there's not a lot to talk about. He goes to college, he ends up majoring in architecture, he meets a girl named Ruth. They have kind of a brief relationship, which I did kind of like, where they met on a bus, it was briefly intense. She went to the UK for a semester to study, and when she came back, it just like no, it was different. It was different. Yeah. And they ended up, like, going different ways.
1: Yeah. Very anticlimactic, but kind of true to real life, right? Yes. Um, I have to talk, though, about how the time jump in the movie when we just have Gogol as an adult now. <laughs> so we have uh, Cal Penn playing this teenage and adult version of Gogol, right? Him as a teenager, Ian, with that stupid haircut. <laughs> the-
0: Dumb haircut. It's
1: so bad. It's
0: not good. I mean,
1: we often, we often complain about actors having to play different ages in movies. Yeah. uh, Because it's just usually not good. It's usually not good.
0: But, like, I just wish more movies were willing to cast different actors at different phases of life. I know. Uh, You think of the movie, like, uh, Moonlight, which had three different actors playing three different portions of... Yes. I mean, like, that was a pretty broad... Time span, but I mean, this movie also covers a similar span of time. Yeah, they could have had a teenage actor. Yeah, and it's like people change drastically between those ages, right? Between childhood, between teenage years, between adulthood. Just like get a different actor.
1: Yeah, it's also super weird because um, the actress who plays uh, Ashima, the the mom, who is known as uh, Tabu, that's her name. Okay, uh, or at least her professional name.
0: Oh, okay.
1: Um, so she was only six years older. No, Adina <laughs> and Cal Pen, six years older, and also she is fucking gorgeous. Oh yeah, she is hot. Like <laughs> she is yeah. so pretty, and I think that makes it worse <laughs> because she's just like really hot, and everyone else is like normal looking. There's
0: there's a scene, and it's at the end of the film where he's kind of having like a personable intimate moment with her. With
1: his mom. And it's like, you're like, are they going to kiss? Are they going to kiss? Like, it feels like romantic. Yeah.
0: She's just, they look like they're the same age roughly.
1: So, I don't know if this makes you feel any better, but, um, the man who played, uh, Ashok, Irfan Khan, um, was only like, five years older than the mom. Okay. So not really an age difference between them. I think it was easier for them to age him up. And, yeah. I mean, in the scenes where he looks like trying to look younger, he doesn't really look young. No. But they, they do a good job making him look older later. I feel like with the mom, she just always looks hot.
0: Yes. Constantly. I think they kind of try to give her like bags under her eyes like a little bit. But yeah. But it, it is not doing enough work. No, it's not. Which, I mean, once again, this is a, a, a tricky situation they're trying to go from like when they first meet when they're like 20 ish like you can do the math later on because at the end of the movie she says she's 45 and I think Gogol is like 25 maybe
1: okay because that's different than the book because in the book when it ends he's like 32
0: yes more time passes in the book I think they were trying to like yeah, get away with it better. <laughs> um, so she's supposed to be 20 at the start of the film, mm-hmm. and then 45 by the end. I just,
1: I think they needed better makeup for the mom. Yeah. to make her look older, and then I think they needed a teenage actor for uh Gogol.
0: I agree. You know, I think for the mom, I kind of laughed about it partway through. But then I think at one point I accepted it until that end scene when they're talking. Do you know the scene I'm talking about? Yes, I know. I
1: thought the same thing. I was like, it would be weird if they kiss, but also I kind of expect (laughs) it. Like when they're hugging, it's like they're too, they look too close to each other. And he's like,
0: mom. And I'm like, mommy, maybe. I don't know. (laughs) Stop. (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean it is just it is a very difficult thing unless you're gonna boyhood it and like film a movie over the course of like 10 years it's a it's a challenge right it's like do you go different actors do you go prosthetics do you go like there's no easy solution necessarily
1: yeah and honestly it's easy for us to complain uh, it, and it's harder to like actually make those choices. I, I
0: I honestly totally empathize with like the choices they have to make. It's just very funny to laugh at. It
1: is. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, let's go to uh, the point where the movie jumps forward in time, which is Google is living in New York. I think he has a job at this point. Or is he still yeah. in school? Yeah. No.
1: Yeah, he has a job.
0: Uh, he is an architect now, and he's dating a uh, woman named Maxine.
1: Yeah, Maxine is really rich, right?
0: Yeah.
1: Her parents have this huge house in New York City, so you know they're fucking rich, right? And she lives with them. Like, she's in grad school, but she's like, oh, yeah, I'm, like, still living with them. She loves her parents. They're very bohemian. They're very artsy. They watch very um, cultured films. They buy fancy cheeses from the store, and they host dinner parties, and they're always drinking wine, and, like, they have this life about them that i think Gogol really envies
0: yes uh he hangs out at their place all the time because that's where maxine is living and then eventually he's just living there like he keeps his apartment uh i think more just for like the disguise of it all like his parents still will call his apartment but the mom is like what the hell you're never there like even in the middle of the night when i try calling you so like he's kind of keeping this all under wraps Once again, though, this kind of leans into the idea of, like, at least specifically in the book, a lot of this is framed as a, I don't want to say retaliation or comparison to his upbringing, but that's kind of what it always relates to, right? Like, oh, like they have dinner parties, but when they have them, like they're walking around and chatting with people. Whereas when his parents hosted dinner parties, it was all about like they're always in the kitchen and making sure everyone's like, uh, taken care of right and they're never like able to enjoy themselves so. and,
1: and and yeah and talking about like oh they have like conversations about art and culture and like politics and it's very like highbrow versus my parents who are always like gossiping about all the people in the neighborhood and like <laughs> yeah you know he's very much and and he also notices like oh Maxine's parents Act So in love, they're very affectionate with each other, whereas my parents like don't show any affection. And he's very much like it almost feels like he's just making not just noticing these differences, but judging them. Right.
0: Yeah. So instead
1: of being like, oh, look how differently we grew up and like how our different experiences shaped us, he's more like this is good. What I had was bad.
0: Yeah, like everything that happens in his life and every choice that he makes feels like it's a response to how he was brought up. And like, I think these differences and him like realizing these things is interesting. But I feel like there's no character outside of him being the child of immigrants. And I think it does hurt the story a lot. Like even his career as an architect. We don't get into it. No, like he liked drawing growing up. And then that kind of led to architecture.
1: And he talks about wanting to be at a, a different firm where he has more responsibilities. Yeah,
0: but like, I don't feel like you ever know how he feels about it. No. Like he's interested, but like, is he passionate about it? Or is it just kind of like how he makes this living? Uh, does he draw anything else? I don't know. Like, it, it's just kind of his job, right? It just feels like everything that the book and plot in general focuses on is just kind of exclusively his experience as the child of immigrants. Mm -hmm. And while I appreciate how thoroughly that is explored, he just kind of feels like a hollow vessel at some points.
1: Yeah, and honestly, it's interesting because we start out with, you know, the perspective of Ashima, right? Yeah. And I actually found her to be a more compelling character
0: than Gogol. me too.
1: And it was... Kind of disappointing when we shifted into Gogol's perspective, first because he was super angsty as a teen. And I'm like, this is just a part and then we'll move on. But then even as a, you know, adult, he's not very interesting.
0: He's not. He
1: doesn't really have an interior life. Like we don't really sit with him and his thoughts. He just kind of bounces from relationship to relationship. And we never really know why he is with these women, what he really sees in them and like how he feels about it. Whereas I feel like all the portions and we do sometimes go back to Ashima and I love those parts. We get so much about how she feels about coming to America, how she feels about missing her family in India, how she feels displaced. But also like there are things that she loves about her new country. Right. We get so much of that from her. And I just feel like, honestly, it would have been a better story if it was just from Ashima's perspective.
0: Yeah. Like. What her and Ashok have to go through as immigrants is, like, very compelling. You feel a lot of sympathy for them. I liked reading about them kind of, like, overcoming these challenges and just, like, adapting to their lives and kind of, like, how they feel caught between two cultures, right? And I think, like, their situation and struggles feel so compelling and real that when you get to Gogol... And he's like, oh, I hate my name.
1: Yeah. Like,
0: it doesn't feel like he's ever going through anything that feels even remotely like what his parents went through.
1: There's not a lot of sympathy. No.
0: And it's not that there couldn't be. No. Right? It just feels like the book doesn't thoroughly explore what he's going through or, like, who he is. Mm -hmm. Like, his dad, Ashok, like has a really compelling backstory too that relates to like why he went to America in the first place and something that like feels really unique and singular to him as a person. And I really loved that. And yeah, I just kind of wish it was about them like exclusively or at the very least, like jump around in time a bit. Like maybe we get Gogol's perspective kind of as an adult first about like uh his parents and like they're kind of annoying and all this stuff. And then maybe you go back to the parents perspective and you're like, "Oh shit, they're people too and like they had struggles yeah, you know." Yeah. And kind of like enlighten you in that area and then go back to Gogol. Like I think even like structuring the book differently could have worked. That's a good idea. But when you start off with like the struggles of Ashima and Ashok, it's such a drop off to it Gogol. <laughs> So Honestly, he, he kind of sucks a little. He he really does <laughs> suck. Or at least I don't think the story adequately allows you to sympathize with him. Yeah. You know? Agreed.
1: Let's talk about the part where Maxine comes and visits uh, Google's parents. They meet, and it's very awkward, right? This was, like,
0: my favorite part in the film, I think. Yeah. Because I think, like, the nuance of it was really subtle and well done, where, like, she enters the house and— calls his mother Ashima, and yeah. you could immediately tell the mom is like, what the fuck did you call me?
1: Yeah. I mean, honestly, as an American, I would never call the parents of my partner, meeting them the first time by their first name. No. Like... I would start out saying, you know, Mrs. Whatever or ma'am or something, right? And then they can be like, oh, call me Carol or call me whatever, yeah, right? Like, yeah, Like, I would never start off that way. And so, honestly, I kind of get it, right? <laughs> I,
0: I do a little bit, too. Uh, and, like, she hugs them, which feels like a faux pas. And I think just, like, it's so kind of, like, awkward and kind of in the background but prominent, you know, Uh, I think that scene's done really well.
1: Yeah, agreed. And they kind of get to know each other a little bit. And then this is where in the movie, the dad tells him an important bit of information. This happens a little bit earlier in the book. But essentially what happens is the dad is like, listen, I've been meaning to tell you this story for a long time, but it never felt like the right moment. I wanted to talk to you about why I gave you the name Gogol.
0: This has kind of been hinted at at the start of the film. And we get this story just like, Early on in the book, but he tells him about a time that he was traveling in India by train to go visit his grandfather and the train derails and crashes and he had been talking to a man on the train who at one point lived in London and was back in India because his wife hated London, but he was like you're a young man, you gotta travel, you gotta see the world, like, you know, before it's too late, before you regret it, like, there's so much out there to see, right? Yeah. And Ashoka's just like, eh, I'm not really interested. He's like, I like my books.
1: Gotta get back to my Gogol. I'm reading Gogol on the train. (laughs) And so when this derailment happens, he was holding the book, and he survives the crash, but as they're looking for survivors, like, he has no strength to call out or even, like, raise his arms or anything. All he can do is very weakly flutter his hands, which are holding the pages from this book, right? And someone happens to see the pages moving, and that saves his life because otherwise he probably would have just succumbed to his injuries, right? They probably wouldn't have found him in time. There were so many bodies in that train. And so he owes his life, he feels, to Gogol.
0: Yeah. So it's like, not even just him liking the author and his work. It's like this really personal story and how this book happened to save his life. And I think Gogol is like, oh my Stunned. God, like just I can't even believe it. Like can't even imagine that his father went through something like that. And in the book, uh, Ashok has a limp and Gogol just thought it was like from football or something Uh, but, like, he finds out that the limp was from this accident. Yeah. And I think this is, like, a real, like, kind of a wake-up call, uh, for Gogol. But then again, it's, like... Not? Not, because I don't know how exactly this changes things. Right? It doesn't seem
1: to impact the way he views his name. No. Maybe it gives him insight into his father as a person, and kind of realizing that, like, oh... My father isn't just my dad. Like, he was a human who's been through things, right? Yeah, but then he goes on
0: this trip with Maxine and, like, isn't calling his parents. Isn't – he's, like, neglecting yeah, even communicating with them. Yeah. And it, it just kind of feels like – What was the point of that? Yeah, like, when he hears this story, he seems shaken by it, but it doesn't seem to, like, change his behavior at all.
1: Yeah, I agree. It just – I think it's a significant moment, but we don't really see the
0: fallout of it. No. I do want to say that in the the film, the train crash scene was interesting and kind of funny because we kind of see part of it at the start of the film. Yeah. And when the tra- when the train crashes, it looks so hokey. Yeah. It looks like in an old Star Trek episode <laughs> when they get hit by something and everyone just jumps to the left <laughs> and the camera tilts, you know, like you could just tell like pe- like the actors were just throwing themselves like, "Oh no!" But then when we revisit it later in the film, there's the scene of, like, the wreckage of the crash and people, like, looking for uh, survivors and bodies yeah. strewn around. And that part looked great. Like, that <laughs> looked so good that I was like, how is it so hokey in that one moment? But then they had, like, the budget or production to, like, do the aftermath. It was just kind of, like, odd to me, but funny.
1: yeah. So after this moment, you know, Maxine meeting his parents, finding out about the origin of his name and his father's, you know, accident, he goes on vacation and then his father ends up going to Ohio to teach for a certain number of months. And so his mom is staying behind in, what, they're in Massachusetts? Yes. Okay. Okay. And so they're separated for this time. And things are like, okay, he comes home every couple weekends to see his wife. They call each other a lot. And it's interesting because I feel like the movie definitely makes a point to show their love for each other a little bit more than the book does.
0: Yeah, I feel like the movie is continuously kind of checking in on them, which I really liked. Like there's a scene when they're in India and Ashok is like, awkwardly asking Ashima like why did you choose me as your husband like what you know what was it between us yeah and she's kind of like you were the best option and I liked your shoes I liked your shoes yeah, yeah which you know she tried on his shoes outside of like the living room in that scene which I really <laughs> liked yeah and it's kind of a really sweet touching moment and similarly when he's leaving for Ohio and is at the airport like he's in the line for TSA or something and they're kind of like looking at each other and you can tell like it's a really bittersweet parting but like touching you know Mm -hmm. and I just like that even though they're the way they came together as husband and wife might seem odd uh to us or Americans you know that like they did find an intimacy and a love for one another
1: yeah even though we don't have these moments in the book there's a part later while when Ashima is kind of reflecting back on her relationship with her husband and saying, like, she fell in love with her husband through the years, right? Yeah. Not right away. It was – it took time, but they, like, did find love for each other. And I I think it's interesting, and I wish they contrasted this more with Gogol kind of dismissing them and being like, oh, my parents don't, like, show affection for each other, you know? Yeah. And kind of showing that, like, you can have a really deep love for someone – and not want to show affection in public because that's not part of your culture, right? Yeah. That doesn't necessarily mean that there's not a deep love.
0: And that relationships are something that, like, like yes, immediate attraction can be, like, very significant, right? But a lasting relationship is still something that you need to work at, right? Which yeah. clearly his parents, like, they kind of, like, had to do. Yeah. And like I don't want to say that, like, the circumstances of their marriage are, like, maybe ideal. No. But, like, you know... They were able to, like, work on it and come out with something that was, like, worthwhile for them.
1: Yeah. Of course, we're talking about how wonderful a relationship is just in time for Ashok to die.
0: Oh, God. <laughs> it's so sad. He calls Ashima from the hospital complaining of a stomach ache. And there's something, like, really sadly kind of realistic about this moment. Like, just kind of how things can happen spontaneously right and not even just like dropping dead from a heart attack or stroke but like oh there's some symptoms but i don't know what they are and like yeah and then it hits
1: and the fact that he was in the er and yes. still died right yeah. it wasn't even the a situation of like oh if only we had gotten
0: no into the
1: hospital in time like he was there and he still died you know just showing how this can happen and it can be so unstoppable right and it's so devastating for Ashima and for the whole family and Gogol is very abruptly jolted out of his idyllic Upper East Side artsy lifestyle that he's been like faking with Maxine and her family when his father dies and he has to go and identify the body. He has to go and empty his father's apartment in Ohio and then join his sister and mother in their
0: grief. We actually get an interesting scene that is exclusive to the film where, as an act of mourning, he goes to a barber shop and gets his head shaved, mm-hmm. uh, which I think is traditional to uh, their customs, their Bengali customs. Yeah, this
1: is mentioned in the book that. He remembers his father doing it when his grandfather died, when his father's father died. Um, It doesn't say in the book that he does it, but I do think it's interesting and significant to see him do this in the movie. Yeah,
0: I thought this was a great addition to the film. Although. The music. The music was so, it was such an odd choice. like a rap song. Like, in some ways it's interesting. He goes to just like a barber shop, right, to get his hair cut. And like, I think the music is... Oh, what's the... I forget. Daya. It, it, it's within the scene. It's in the barber shop, But it, it's this, like, rap music, and he's, like, kind of, like, teary-eyed, getting his head shaved. And then the rap music even carries over a little into the next scene, and it's just a weird tone.
1: Weird choice. Agreed. Um, There is, like, a portion of the book, though, that where they talk about these rituals of grief, though, and we, like, see the funeral in the movie, and the movie also shows us them scattering his father's ashes in India and the ceremony that they prefer perform there. And the book talks about how they traditionally eat a certain diet when you're in mourning for a certain amount of days and how like comforting it was for them. Yeah. And I did want to talk a little bit here about like this idea of having rituals of grief, right? Having something that you can turn to in these times of like unimaginable sadness because you know, I remember when my dad died, wanting to show in some outward way that I was grieving. Yeah. Right. And I find this aspect of like shaving your head. It's very appealing.
0: Uh, yeah. I Yeah. Because I agree. you
1: just want to somehow show the world and yourself that like, I'm not OK.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Right. And I'm like honoring this person that I'm missing so deeply. Right. And so. I think in a lot of ways, I wish that we had more rituals around grief in our culture.
0: Well, I mean, it used to be that if your spouse died, at least for women, they would wear black for like a long ass time. Yeah. Right. If they were widowed, right? Like in mourning, you would wear black, not just like for the funeral, but like for months and months afterwards, right? Yeah. Um. But like, yeah, no, I, I it's so hard to. Just move on from something like that and to have this act like shaving your head that's kind of like more lasting yeah i i i get that i get the why that might be appealing or comforting in some kind of way Mm -hmm. i i do like too in the book and the film it's really so immersive in the family's culture that it's, like, just really interesting, and it really feels so genuine and authentic, right? Like, from the weddings to the funerals. Yeah. um, It just feels so immersive and real, and it feels like, you know, details weren't skimped. Like, you see, I remember during the wedding scenes later that I was, like, Wow, there's a lot of ceremonies in their weddings, right? Yeah. Like walking in circles, holding leaves in front of your face, like all kinds of stuff, right? But I loved that. I loved those details.
1: Yeah, I think we see more of that in the movie than we do in the book actually. Yeah,
0: I think the book maybe like mentions certain things, but like kind of more in passing. I mean, it still gives you a sense of um like what do they, they talk about sandalwood paste or something like on their oh, face yeah, and yeah. details like that, but Yeah, I really enjoy in the film getting to see a lot of this.
1: Yeah, uh, unfortunately, or fortunately, I don't know, Gogol and Maxine's relationship does not last through his father's death. In the book, it just kind of peters out, right? Like he's in deep mourning and Maxine just doesn't understand. And so after a while, you know, they try to make it work. They try to be there for each other, but eventually they just break up. The movie is a bit different.
0: She is psychotic in the film. Yeah. They are at the funeral. They are in the funeral. She is at his house in his room with him. They've just had like a ceremony and she's like, you can't stay at your mom's house forever. Why don't you come back to New York city with me? She says, okay, Adina, I was thinking about this specifically when he, when Ashok dies, it is roughly Christmas time. Christmas decorations are outside, right? During this scene, she says, Let's still do our New Year's Eve plans. Yeah. (laughs) So not even a month. Yeah. Probably like. Less than two weeks. Less than two weeks, I'd estimate. Yeah. And she's like, could you like stop being sad? What am I
1: going to do on New Year's Eve without
0: you? Like, you got to get over this. Like, you got to get out of your house, you know? Yeah. I'm like, are you crazy? She is so unsympathetic and annoying in this moment in a way that like. Just it felt like unnecessary, right? She says,
1: "What do you want from me?" <laughs> and he says, "This is not about you." <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this scene is deranged. It's cr- I think it's it nuts. I don't think it makes sense to have it in this movie. I know they need to break them up. Yeah, but like this is just not realistic. I don't think. I mean, some people would act this way, but for the most part. People are not going to act in this way on the day of the funeral. No,
0: you're not at the funeral <laughs> being like, okay, like le- le- let's let's move on. Come yeah. on. Let's wrap this up. Uh, th- yeah. those, those plane tickets are non-refundable. <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about another lady in his life. Yes. Uh, some time has passed after his father's passing. And Gogol's mom actually suggests, like, maybe you should call up Maxine, like, it was a tough time. Maybe you should t- two should make it work. And he's like, mm, no, not sure I want to. And she's like, OK, well, why don't you call uh, the daughter of these family friends of ours, uh Moshimi? Yeah. And he's like, ah, I don't want to be set up.
1: And the mom's like, she lives in New York City, too. She just went through a breakup. Like, you should call her up. Come on, come on. Kind of keeps nagging him. And eventually he does meet up with uh Moshimi. and. We had a scene in the movie of her as, like, a teenager, which is, like...
0: <laughs> real bad.
1: Real bad. Um, And we get scenes in the book where she's in them, and he also kind of flashes back and remembers her in them. But they meet up, and they both have, you know, a lot of common history. They kind of grew up together, even though they weren't friends and didn't hang out a lot. And so they have not just a shared culture, but also kind of a shared past.
0: Yeah. This is at least the angle that the book takes that coming from similar backgrounds from similar families there's just there's just kind of an ease yeah right to their conversation like she knows about his name change and like their families and like it's just easy right because of their their backgrounds the film Is so goddamn horny.
1: Oh, my God. This is so weird. It's so
0: I cannot even begin to figure out what.
1: The way they've like styled her is like a sexy, frizzy, eighth grade librarian. Chic. Chic. And she's like. But like in a porno
0: yes it's very <laughs> porno yeah like a costume like yeah. not even fashionable like a like a costume and the way she's like sitting i mean the chairs are weird they're like really deep or like the bench she's sitting on but like her, she's
1: lounging her legs are tucked in she's smoking and then like
0: from google's perspective like he keeps staring at like her neck and her legs fishnet stockings, or fishnet stockings and... yeah and
1: the glasses are like weirdly down her nose yeah which like is also makes her like simultaneously frumpy and <laughs> horny at the same time oh these are
0: my readers
1: yeah <laughs> like, i'm like what's happening
0: i'm so confused it's such a weird tone it
1: is it's really bizarre uh
0: like and so drastically different from how the book
1: yeah the book describes her as being sexy in a way but also being kind of, like, quiet and, like, to herself, right?
0: And intelligent. Yeah. And like, they have good conversations. He's just so fucking horny in the film. <laughs> and we have, like, one scene where they're, like, making dinner together and then they go to the bedroom to have sex. We get, like, a full nude backshot of her, which yeah. I don't. Butts. Butts. Butts, I guess. And then it is, like, a smash cut to their wedding. <laughs> and I'm, like, her? yeah. She's the one that you are marrying.
1: Here's the thing, Ian. We never really get an examination of why they're getting married. I mean, the book kind of tells us, like, oh, their families were both really happy about it, so they decided to get married. But, like, we don't ever hear about how Gogol really likes her, no. right? or like what he why he decided to propose to her. You know, he's kind of like, oh, we just everybody expected it. And like, yeah, I can see him doing that maybe in reaction to his father passing. But he never we never even have that thought in his head. He's never like, I wanted to settle down. My dad dying made me realize how life passes. And I needed I wanted to, like, live my you know,
0: we don't get any of that. Because it is interesting that, like, throughout the book, uh, he's dated Just, like, white American girls, right? And whether that's, like, a retaliation thing or not, I don't know. But, like, he's very American, right? But here he's uh, with a Bengali girl. And, like, okay, that's interesting that he ends up going this route, right? Yeah. But I feel like there's not a lot of examination of it. Like you said, like, well, did he feel pressured to do it but like also he's never really cared about it
1: doesn't seem like he was actually pressured by his family anyway and he's never
0: really cared about like the expectations that have been put on him by family
1: yeah does it like do they have a shared understanding is it nice to have someone who knows where he came from and it doesn't make like microaggression comments to him constantly like we don't get any of that i don't know and it also feels like moshumi doesn't really identify very much with her Bengali heritage either. No. She's um, getting her PhD in French literature and is fluent in French, has lived in Paris, and by the end of the book has moved back to Paris, right? Like, she doesn't feel interested in that Bengali heritage. So it's not even like they... Bond over being Bengali together. Yeah,
0: like, let's go back to our, like, kind of traditional idea of marriage. I mean, they have
1: have the traditional wedding, but it doesn't feel like their lives are traditional Bengali in any way.
0: No, no, not at all. Uh, We also get a, once again, like, I felt like... This movie was mostly grounded. And then there were horny parts. And then it just got weird and horny for like (laughs) a certain stretch of time. And characters were just doing things that felt absolutely crazy to me.
1: Like this uh, honeymoon sexy dance. They
0: are like being playful next to each other. Like, oh, like, should we like? And then she's like, no, let me do a dance. And he's like, oh, I'll mimic you. And then they're both dancing and then they're like, and then they're fucking and then they're yeah having sex. I'm like, what? It's so awkward. And like, I think part of it was just the way it was filmed. Like, okay, it's their honeymoon. And maybe they're just kind of like being a little silly. Yeah. Like you can do that in a way that like is normal. (laughs) But somehow the way this movie filmed it, I just sat watching like slack jawed
1: uncomfortable.
0: Yeah. Being like, what is happening in this scene right now? It's not good.
1: Yeah, and they're they're married for, like, a year.
0: Yeah, don't worry. <laughs> it doesn't last very long at all. They're married
1: for a year, and we already hear about how unhappy Moshimi is. She's like, Uh, I have to be a traditional wife. I have to be a good Bengali wife. And I'm like, in what way? Yes. Like, okay, not to, like, shame her, because, like— yeah, girl, like, go off. If you want to go to Paris, live your dream. Like, you don't need to be married. But she's, like, complaining, like, oh, I have to be, like, this traditional good Bengali wife and all these expectations. And I turned down the fellowship that I got in Paris, and, like, he wanted me to change my name, and I decided not to. And, like, ugh, I have to, like, cook and stuff. And I'm like, you don't do that, though. First of all... <laughs> You never even told him about the fellowship. Yeah. Like, maybe you guys could have had a conversation about that, right? Second of all, yeah, he did want you to change your name, but when you said no, he respected your decision. And third of all, it's not like you're cooking and cleaning and doing, like, traditional things in your home. No, you're, like,
0: not, you're not a trad wife. No,
1: like, she, <laughs> she, she's getting her PhD, and he's, like, he seems to give her the space and, like, you know, freedom to be like, oh, you're getting your PhD. You're going to be out all the time. You're going to be doing stuff. I respect that. I'm not saying he's an ideal husband and she shouldn't have, like, wanted to leave him. But she's complaining about things that just don't make sense. That
0: we at least don't get a full explanation on or, no or get like, to experience. There's no, like,
1: evidence of it.
0: Yeah, and it's something that's, like, it's very weird about this book, right? Is, like, I really like the first two chapters, right? Because it's kind of recapping... Ashima and Ashok's like marriage and coming to America and their jobs and like having kids, having kids and like it's it's moving along, right? It's moving along. Like you're like okay, we're we're getting to like the the meat of the story, right? But that is the momentum of the entire book. The entire book feels like it's kind of just getting m- to the point, getting to the next thing, to get to the next thing, to get to the next thing. And sometimes I feel like it loses a lot of the nuance of, like, what any character is feeling at any point, like... And how they're connected to each other. Yeah. Like, we just jump
1: around, you know, here with different characters. Like, we get some emotion me and like, what she's feeling and, you know, Gogol and what he's feeling, but not a lot about them together and what they're experiencing. And, like, it doesn't seem to have a narrative thrust. And it's so hard to describe and to put into words, but there have been so many books that I've read that are somewhat similar to this in certain ways, like books that are about about the immigrant experience, books that are like multi-generational family stories, right? That just kind of have more momentum than this did. I just felt like, like you said, it was just kind of like, and this happens, and then this thing happens, and then this thing. And it's not really taking you anywhere, you look back at the end of it and you're kind of like, oh, I guess we just stopped.
0: Yes. And like at some points it would it would settle into like maybe a scene between characters of dialogue. But even that just kind of fluidly would transition into like some recapping of like, oh, and then these were the kind of things that they did or like this is what was going on in their life. And these people were here and uh, like and it's really hard to figure out if this is a problem of the writing style or just the plot slash characterization yeah is this kind of like inherently an issue with the writing style and how it just kind of keeps like you said the momentum just kind of keeps it's unrelenting and it just kind of keeps pushing forward or could you have still had all the characterization that for us would have made the book better within this style I don't yeah. know it's hard to parse out like what is causing me to feel this way
1: it really is but i just know the feeling is there and that i did feel like this book was
0: pretty slow well and like we're getting towards the end and he's like he had one relationship that fell apart okay it's actually a second in the book and now he's on his third relationship and they're married married. and now we're already like a chapter later watching it disintegrate
1: yeah we don't even get to kind of settle into any of this
0: before it's moving on like i kind of wanted it to just like you said settle in one point in time to really examine how the characters were feeling in that moment right yeah which is why i feel like way back when he's in high school and went to india uh like okay what was his experience there what if we could have lingered there for a while yeah like i felt like that could have been really interesting and exploratory of his character and the themes of the story, but it's just kind of more interested in continuing.
1: Yeah, either way, uh, Moshimi decides to cheat on Gogol yeah. one year into their marriage.
0: Uh, I do you remember the name in the book?
1: His name is Dimitri in the book.
0: Dimitri. In
1: the movie it's Pierre.
0: Pierre. The most basic ass French <laughs> name you could ever pick. It's like I don't know he's French. Pierre. <laughs> Who cares? <laughs> and the way she um slips up and reveals this information to Gogol is they're on they're waiting for a train. They're discussing where they should go on a trip. And she says, Oh, well Pierre says it's really beautiful this time of year.
1: And he's like, who's Pierre? And she just says nothing.
0: (laughs) (laughs) She just name drops him. Yeah. She's just like, oh Pierre. And I'm like, what are you doing? (laughs) Like it is. I think in the book, if you read it, you could maybe not
1: notice as much. Notice
0: or think it's silly. But when you watch it in the film and she just casually mentions. And then he's like, who's
1: Pierre? <laughs> and then she says nothing. No,
0: has no backup. Are you
1: having an affair? Says nothing.
0: Nothing. <laughs> I mean, maybe it's one of those instances where like she secretly wanted to get caught. Yeah. But it just comes across as like very funny.
1: Yeah. They get divorced.
0: Yeah. She's a line in the film. Maybe it's in the book, too. I can't remember where she says, maybe it's not enough that we're both Bengali. Yeah. And I'm like, but that
1: was that ever part of yeah, that you never being together felt
0: like the crux of your relationship either.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, they're getting divorced.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, and now we're at the end and we go into um, Ashima's perspective in the book here, because since losing her husband, she's kind of thought about what she wants to do with her life. In the movie, we have these little sections where she's talking to her library friend. Mm -hmm. which I like. I like getting to see her talking with someone else and like kind of having a friendship outside her family here, but she's deciding what she wants to do with her life. And she decides that she's going to sell the house and she's going to spend half of her year in India with her family. And then half of her year in America with her kids.
0: Yes. And, uh, so they are, she's going to have one more, uh, Christmas party at the house before it's sold. Everyone's coming home, including Gogol. Uh, He reveals to Ashima that things with uh, him and his wife are not going good. Yeah. In the
1: book, they've already been divorced at this point.
0: Yes. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. And I'm I'm trying to think, except for he finds the book, right? He goes back to his childhood bedroom. He finds the book that his dad gave him all those years ago. Of the works of uh, Gogol, Mm -hmm. including the overcoat, which is a story that's brought up multiple times. And uh, he decides to sit there and read it. And in the film, we kind of get a few shots of him, uh, like actually reading it on the train and stuff. But this is kind of him coming to his conclusion his piece
1: yeah which is just I guess finally reading the book that his dad gave him so many years ago <laughs> and his dad being like from heaven like finally oh my god appreciating <laughs> what I gave you
0: <laughs> his arc is he's finally reading the book he's put off reading for so long <laughs> which not even book short story
1: short stories it wasn't even that hard
0: we do get a scene too that I really liked in the film where Ashima had mentioned going back to India and pursuing singing again, which we see at the very beginning of the film, her doing, and she has an amazing voice. Oh my God.
1: She's hot and talented.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But the film actually ends with a scene of her singing again. And look, I'm a sucker for a film that begins and ends in the same place. I love it. I love bookending a film in that way because it just causes you to like reflect on, oh my God, she's been through so much. She's had a whole life. She's had kids. She's lived in America for, what, 25 years now? And she's back home. And it just it, it, it's a way, it's a good way of like getting you as the viewer to kind of like reflect on the story, right? Yeah. So I do really like ending the film there.
1: Yeah, and I wanna uh read a portion from the book here. And the portion that I'm reading is um Ashima kind of thinking in her head these thoughts as she's wrapping up her life in the U.S. and she actually speaks this kind of parts of this in a speech that she does in the movie as well so um Ashima feels lonely suddenly horribly permanently alone and briefly turned away from the mirror she sobs for her husband she feels overwhelmed by the thought of a move she is about to make to the city that was once home and is now in its own way foreign She feels both impatient and indifference for all the days she must still live, for something tells her she will not go quickly as her husband did. For 33 years, she missed her life in India. Now she will miss her job at the library, the women with whom she's worked. She will miss throwing parties. She will miss living with her daughter, the surprising companionship they have formed, going into Cambridge together to see old movies at the Brattle, teaching her to cook the food Sonia had complained of eating as a child. She will miss the opportunity to drive, as she sometimes does on her way home from the library, to the university, past the engineering building where her her husband once worked. She will miss the country in which she had grown to know and love her husband. Though his ashes have been scattered into the Ganges, it is here in this house and in this town that he will continue to dwell in her mind. I just really love that part.
0: Yeah, it's really it's really beautifully written.
1: Again cementing my opinion that Ashima's perspectives are the best parts of this book.
0: Absolutely, for sure. Um yeah, so I mean, that's that's it for the film and book. Yeah. And now it's time to decide which one we enjoyed better. I think it's the book. I I think so too. Yeah. As illustrated by what you just read. I really do like what I guess you would call the prose of the book, like the writing style. Uh, the sentence structure and the description and, yeah. like, all of that, like, I, and I think especially at the beginning that, like, really captured me. Like, I was getting, like, teary-eyed when she gave birth to Gogol, right? Yeah. And kind of, like, the descriptions of that were beautiful. Um, I think my issues with the writing are, like, larger in terms of, like, structure structure and and pacing and, like, characterization. It's interesting that you mentioned she has written a lot of short stories. Yeah. Because I kind of feel like her writing style would be, like, really well-suited for a short story. That's
1: interesting. I never thought of that.
0: Because, like, the book kind of has this, like, weird momentum where it just keeps going on and, like, it feels like...
1: I think this might have started out as a short story, actually.
0: "Mm, Interesting. I I could believe that. I wonder if it was about... Ashok Ashima. I don't know. Be worth looking into.
1: Yeah, I mean, I really do like the book and I think the movie just borrows so much from it yeah. that it's impossible for the movie to stand on its own and like, It doesn't really do anything that different that makes me like it more than I enjoyed the book, even though I have problems with the book.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think the movie does, like, a couple things occasionally that I find interesting or slight improvements on the story. I like uh, like him shaving his head when his dad died. you mean the movie? I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The movie does some things that I think are improvements over the book, Uh, like him shaving his head when his dad died. Or um, like going to the Taj Mahal, like there's a couple moments like that that I'm like, oh, that's nice. I enjoy that. Uh, I think some of the performances are good, some better than others. Like Irfan Khan is, uh the father is really good, I think. Yeah. But like the the meat of the story, even though in some ways it's lacking, I think is there in the book, but not as nearly as much in the film.
1: Yeah. So it's gonna be a book for both of us. Yeah.
0: Then. I will say too that like. I think in some ways this can be such a personal story for some people. The idea of being like the child of immigrants and like this book might connect in a way with some people uh much more strongly than it did with us. Yeah. You know?
1: Totally agree with that. And like everybody has different tastes and narrative and plot and structure and characters as well. So yeah, I mean, I think this is an impactful story. You know, I think there are, things that would have made it more enjoyable to me personally. But obviously, it's very, like, well-liked and critically acc- acclaimed.
0: Yeah, I mean, like, I love reading stories about people from different places or cultures or times. And just, like, empathizing with people and characters that you might not usually come in contact with. Like, that's one of my favorite things about reading a good book. Yeah. Um, Which is why I, like, wish I maybe connected with the characters more in this story, right? That, yeah. like, it was maybe a better entryway into the lives of these these characters.
1: Agreed. All right, so now that we've decided that the book is the better one, I'm going to read our patron Leah's thoughts. So Leah says, I first read the namesake in college for a literature course I was taking on the topic of nostalgia. What I love most about uh, Jhumpa Lahiri's writing is her vivid use of imagery, which she uses to help readers know each member of the Ganguli family intimately. Even when I disagreed with some of the choices characters made and there were some really questionable choices, (laughs) I was able to understand how their experiences drew them towards those choices and what that reflected about their relationship with the past. This novel felt so timely to read as a young adult contemplating how how to balance an appreciation for the past with an outlook towards the future like Gogol and his parents were. Rather than offering any solid answers, I think the story of the namesake offers encouragement to readers by reminding them that this struggle is universal. Really interesting thoughts on that, Leanne. I agree with the book kind of leaving you to decide for yourself and like kind of ponder these things and not really give you an answer.
0: Yeah. In some ways, I was hoping for like more of an exploration on some of this stuff. But on the other hand... I do appreciate in some ways how ambiguous a lot of it le- is left. Like, mm-hmm. how Gogol even feels about his name or his name change, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. Like, it is
0: interesting that it's just kind of, like, left up to the reader.
1: Yeah. All right, let's do lightning let's round. Let's do a lightning. So first up for lightning round, this isn't really, like, a fun fact. More like, I just have to talk about it. Because in the book, um, Moshumi has, like, two experiences that are really negative with men that I don't think the book addresses at all. <laughs> yeah. The first is her ex-fiancé which she has this relationship fall apart right before she gets with Gogol. Um who ends up hitting her in the street.
0: Oh god, that's right.
1: And then the second is when she starts having this affair with Dimitri in the book, Pierre in the movie. She remembers how when she met him, she was 17 and he was 27 Mm -hmm. and they were on a bus together going to like some kind of march in Washington and they were sitting together and he pretended to be asleep and then started to try to put his hand up her skirt and he like unbuttoned her skirt a bunch and then just stopped and then was like, you're going to break heart someday. And I'm like
0: uh predator uh she was into it though adina so it's totally fine
1: really weird bizarre just had to mention it i don't even know what to say about it other than (laughs) it was in the book so i have to mention it it
0: existed uh i have one thing to mention about the film which is in the scene when ashima gets the phone call or calls the hospital and find finds out about ashok's death the woman she is talking to on the phone Sounds like a goddamn robot.
1: Oh my gosh, it's so cold.
0: And I get that that's partly like what they were going for. I think like kind of the sterile quality of like being told like horrible news like that. But she was so like she sounded like oh I'm sorry we could not reach your party like like that yeah. kind of operating like she's like oh I'm sorry your husband passed away at five thirty five and then when there's a pause she's like hello yeah <laughs> and she's like uh will you be in the Cleveland area around like and to, like. Every line delivery, she sounds like a fucking robot. And oh I'm like, God. it's too much. It's, it's too much. too sad and weird, and I don't like it. Yeah. Uh,
1: next for lightning round, I just want to mention a couple lines that were very funny to me in the movie. One is when we are meeting uh Moshomi for the first time, when she's like the ditzy teenager. And she's just moved to the U.S. from uh, England with her family. And she says... I detest American television. (laughs) And there's a funny part later where both Gogol and Sonia quote that line when the mom wants him to like meet up with her. Oh, yeah. Which I thought was really funny. And then there's another line later when Gogol and Sonia are in India with their family and Sonia is complaining about it. Gogol starts like fanning her with a fan and is like, Here, have some ancient air conditioning. And
0: I'm like, what is this? <laughs> uh, last for lightning round. This is something that I have no detailed information about other than what I just read on IMDb. <laughs> but a person by the name of Lupita Nyong'o was credited as a post-production intern uh, in the editorial department for this movie. And that is the Lupita Nyong'o oh, wow. Academy Award winning actress of 12 Years a Slave, and other films. So she was working on the film behind the scenes? Uh, apparently. Really? L- like I said, I have done no research outside <laughs> No follow-up. No follow-up, no <laughs> investigation into it. Uh, that is basically the extent of uh, my information. Although I did read uh, that she starred, L- Lupita Nyong'o later it would star in Queen of... Katwe, mm-hmm. uh, which was this same director.
1: Oh, interesting.
0: Yeah, so I don't know what their connection was. If that was a coincidence, interesting. Not a clue.
1: Yeah, this would be well before any of her starring roles in movies. So yeah, yeah.
0: I I'm sorry that you came to this episode with such <laughs> detailed uh, research notes, and I couldn't <laughs> even follow up on like the one little tidbit that I had managed to find. I'll,
1: I'll forgive you. <laughs> That um, wraps up our episode. Thanks so much for listening. We already plugged our Patreon at the top, so we won't do that again. But if you like what you've listened to, um, go ahead and give us a rating or review. We really appreciate anyone who takes the time to give us a little rating or review. It really means a lot.
0: Yes. Uh, You can also find us on social media. You can find us on Instagram, on Facebook, on X, on all that stuff. You can find all those links at CoveredCredits.com. Uh, Thanks again for listening to this episode, and we'll see you next time.
1: See you next time. Bye. Bye.